What's up, podcast friends? And thank you for listening to the College Admissions Process Podcast. While analyzing the podcast data, I realized that many of the earlier episodes, some of which received the most overall downloads and are still extremely relevant today, are not being listened to as much as the newly released episodes. This is why I created the alphabetical list of colleges available on the podcast with the link to the related interview to the right of each school. Please use the alphabetical list as part of your college search, which can be found in the show notes and on my website, www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. The alphabetical list serves as an on-demand virtual college fair with schools from throughout the country. It also emphasizes, for example, that episode 132 is no more or less important than episode 92. To highlight how valuable the alphabetical list is, I will release past episodes that receive the highest overall downloads on Wednesdays throughout the summer. Please share the alphabetical list with anyone you think that may benefit, as it has proven to be such a valuable tool for so many listeners. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to the CAP, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today Dr. Tina Brooks, who's the Associate Dean of Admissions at Pomona College. Dr. Brooks, how are you today? And thank you so much for being here. John, thank you for having me today. I'm so excited to talk to you, and I am doing great. Fantastic, and let's get right to it. I can't wait to hear all about Pomona College. What is it about Pomona College that makes it so appealing for so many students to want to apply and ultimately attend? John, I was trying to come up with my list, and it's long. It's long. Uh, I'm going to start with the fact that we're a great liberal arts college. We're one of the top liberal arts colleges in the country. And although that can sound kind of generic, what it really translates to is that students have a fantastic experience in the classroom and out of the classroom. We've got those nice small classes, average size of 15, which means you're getting lots of attention from your professors who only teach undergraduates. So just imagine you are the focus of their attention. And these are folks who you want to learn from, you want to mentor you, you want to take advice from. Um, and they're all about you and your learning. So it's personalized, it's individualized. You can explore across the curriculum. You're not shunted into a, a little shoot that says pre-nursing or pre-engineering. No, no, no. You've got the whole candy store to explore in terms of classes. Um, so the academic experience is awesome. A few other things that stand out about Pomona. Uh, we're a small college, as I said, about 1,700 students, but we're part of a five-college consortium. I know that sounds abstract. I'm going to break it down for you. There are five small colleges in Claremont. All together, there are about 6,000 undergraduates, and we're all within one square mile. So we're not one of those East Coast consortia where you have to take a bus to go to the other campus. No, no, no. You can get on your skateboard. You can use your two feet. Um, it's going to take you, you know, 10 minutes to get to another campus and sit down in a classroom and take a class over at Pitzer College, Scripps College, Claremont McKenna College, or Harvey Mudd College. So look, you're at a small school, but you've got 2,700 classes you can pick from. You've also got 6,000 other interesting, uh, smart students to connect with. You've got clubs and organizations across the colleges. You've got seven dining halls you can choose from. You've got combined athletics teams. So it's really unique um, among the higher ed landscape in being so uh, integrated a consortium. 
The other thing is our location. You know, a lot of colleges, as you well know, are concentrated in the Northeast. What about Los Angeles? Do you want to go to college in Southern California? A lot of folks actually do uh, because we're an hour away from the beach. We're about an hour from the mountains. We're an hour from the desert. So you've got all those great natural environments to explore, but you've also got the second largest city in the country, just a train ride away. We're a couple blocks from the Metrolink train station. You can easily get to LA. Students love it for concerts. They love it for internships. They love it just day out at the beach. Um, the other things, and I know I'm going on and on, but I've got two more for you. I've got resources. Uh, we have funding for internships. We have funding for research. And as I mentioned, we have no graduate students. So you are the research assistants for your faculty. So lots of opportunities there. We have, hmm, I think it's about 58 uh, study abroad programs you can take advantage of. It's not going to be any additional cost. Um, so a lot of great resources at Pomona College. The other thing to mention is we're probably one of the most diverse campuses among uh, small private colleges. We are over 50% domestic students of color. So if diversity intrigues you, if you want to be in an environment where you're going to meet lots of different types of people with different backgrounds from different countries, uh, different uh, races, ethnicities, religions, the whole gamut. It adds up to a really um, vibrant community, both inside the classrooms and in your residential life. Well, thank you so much for that comprehensive introduction. That is terrific. As Pomona, it sounds like it truly has something for everyone. By the way, I read that it's considered the finest liberal arts college in the West. So it's not just any liberal arts college. And it's easy to understand why, because all of the great programs that you have to offer, you mentioned the research, you mentioned the vicinity to LA. Obviously, you have so much in your classrooms and beyond. Again, Dr. Brooks, we really appreciate that introduction. So let's get to it. How many applications do you review a year? And do you, Dr. Brooks, represent a specific region? Yeah, thanks for asking that question, John. We do uh, manage different territories. So each of us in admissions has certain states, cities, countries where we focus on those areas. We read those applications every year. We travel to those areas. So we get to know them very well. We know schools, we know counselors, we know areas. So personally, I represent Connecticut, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and New York outside of the five boroughs. Someone else claimed the five boroughs, but I've got the rest <laughs> of New York. Uh, and then we all have bits of California. California is really large, as you might know. So I have Marin County and then what's called the far north of California, which honestly is about a third of the state um, <laughs> way up north. So those are the areas where I travel to and I read the applications. Personally, I took a look and I read about 550 applications last year. I looked at one of my colleagues who I know had a lot and he read about 950. Wow. So that's probably the range of applications. But the way we review applications is actually very interesting. It's called Collaborative Based Evaluation or CBE. And I think it was developed at the University of Pennsylvania and it's spread to a lot of colleges because 
and universities because we find that it's a, a fair and efficient way to review applications. And I say fair because it's not just me reading your application if you're from Connecticut. I work with a partner. So every day I get assigned a partner, one of my colleagues, we sit down, we're both on our laptops, we're reading Connecticut applications, and we are having a conversation about each application as we review it. So it's not just my biases. I'm going to be checked <laughs> by my partner and we're going to be discussing and we're going to be, you know, seeing things that the other person missed. And we will come up with our take on the applicant. I'll be taking notes if it's a Connecticut student and we reach a conclusion. Maybe we want to admit the student. Maybe we want to waitlist. Maybe we want to deny. Um, and then we're finished with that application. So that's step one. Step two, I'm going to take a look again at any one that I didn't put in the deny category to see if I'm going to bring that candidate to committee. So I'm preparing. I read the whole thing again, redo my notes or, you know, add to them. I might decide at that point, you know, I've read all the applications of Connecticut now. This person actually doesn't stand out. Or I might decide, you know what, this is the best of the best. I'm presenting this one to committee. So that's step two. Step three is committee. And then we have about five folks around a table and we're all presenting our cases and we're all looking at them together and we're coming to a group decision on those cases. So that's step three. <laughs> step four is going to be, we always end up with too many that we like, that we want to admit. And then we've got to take out our scissors and do a little bit of cutting um, and get it down to the number that we can actually offer admission to. Um, so that's the way the process works. I think it's pretty interesting and it kind of highlights you're not just writing for one person's eyes. You know, it's really your, your file is probably going to be looked at multiple times by multiple people. Even if you got an initial deny recommendation, I could go back and pull you up again. I might say, you know what? I only have three people from Connecticut I liked. There's got to be more. And I'm going to take another look and say, hey, I missed something here. You know, I actually do want to present this person to committee. So it's multi-stage. It's very thorough. And... Um, we really get to know the applicants well through their applications. I want to welcome back Sean Patel, who is the founder and CEO of Prep Expert. He's a Shark Tank entrepreneur making a deal with Mark Cuban back in 2016. And he's also a board certified dermatologist who received a perfect score on his SAT. Sean, welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, John. So I just wanted to share with all your listeners real quick that we have an amazing partnership with the College Admissions Process Podcast, and we have a really special offer for all of your listeners. So for any listener who wants to enroll their student into one of our prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one -on -one tutoring programs, you can get 30% off just for being a listener of the College Admissions Process Podcast. All you need to do is put in the promo code College Talk, one word, just College Talk, and that'll give you 30% off all Prep Expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one on one tutoring packages. Make sure you use the link in the show notes of the College Admissions Process Podcast.
Thank you, Sean. We really appreciate it. To our listeners, as an affiliate partner with Prep Expert, I want to be transparent with you that for every purchase made using our coupon code, which is College Talk, the College Admissions Process Podcast will receive a small commission from Prep Expert. But rest assured that we only promote programs that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. So whether you're preparing for the SAT, ACT, or need a one-on-one tutor, Prep Expert has the tools and expertise to help you. For more information, please see the Prep Expert affiliate partnership link in the show notes. And now let's get back to the show. Well, I really appreciate that overview and all of the insight. Thank you so much. It's always interesting for students and parents to hear about what happens when they hit submit and send in that application. So thank you again, Dr. Brooks. And speaking of the applications, what are the different ways a student may apply to Pomona College? And is there a benefit to applying one way over the other? Sure. I'm glad you asked that. There, There is a lot of um, you know, interest in how to apply. Should I apply early decision, early action? We do not offer an early action option. So what we offer is early decision or regular. Early decision, you might apply in that first round, which is due by November 15th. That's for someone who, you know, they are set on Pomona College, they love Pomona College, and they don't want to go anywhere else, and they're ready by November 15th to hit submit. Great. Then there's the folks who like Pomona College, or maybe you discovered it in October, maybe you're not quite ready, maybe you want to show grades from your fall semester, maybe early decision two is right for you. There's a second round where it's due January 8th, it's still a binding decision. So both of those early rounds, you sign an agreement, your parents sign it, your counselor signs it saying, if you admit me, I am coming to Pomona College. But for most applicants, they're going to apply regular decision. They want to have their options open. They're not, they don't have their hearts set on one college. They feel they could probably be happy at, at multiple colleges, or they want to you know, they want to, don't want to put all their eggs in one basket. So most students are going to apply regular decision. That's due January 8th as well. And they will find out uh, by April 1st, uh, their admission decision. So early decision, we encourage folks, if you know it's your top choice, wonderful. Please check out your financial aid eligibility first. Make sure it's affordable for your family. Folks can do the my intuition or the net price calculator. We offer the same financial aid to ED applicants as to RD applicants. We meet 100% of your need with grants and work study. We don't use loans to meet your need. So you're not, it's not a financial decision, but if you apply early decision, you can't compare financial aid offers between different schools. Because remember, you committed to attending Pomona if we admit you. So you should, if you're going to apply for aid, have it in mind what that aid offer will look like. You can always talk to our financial aid office in advance. Um, So that's the uh, advice we give. Typically, more students, you have a greater chance of admission through early decision rounds, but we don't tell you to apply because it's easier to get admitted because it's really not it's pretty you know it's pretty similar percentages it's still highly highly selective 
So you don't want to think about gaming the system. You want to think about really what's the best decision for you and your family, financially, fit-wise. Um, if you need additional counseling, that's what we are. We are admission counselors. You can always reach out to us for a conversation. Well, I appreciate that overview. Thank you so much. And I also am happy that you mentioned the net price calculator, which is located on the Pomona College website in the Office of Undergraduate Admissions. I'm going to have a link to that uh, in the show notes for students and parents. And I also appreciate how you talked about just how accessible you are as a counselor. And of course, if anyone has questions about financial aid, they should really just reach out to the financial aid office at Pomona College. And I know that there are people there ready, willing, and able to help answer any and all questions. So thank you so much, Dr. Brooks. Also, I know that Pomona College is in fact test optional, but can you share what role do students' grades and test scores play in your overall admissions process? Of course. Like many schools, we went test optional during COVID uh, because it was very difficult for students to take the test. We didn't want to throw up barriers to applying. And the reason we extended that policy, John, is to gather some data. You know, what difference does it make to be a test optional school? Admissions doesn't set those policies. It's the board of trustees at colleges that set those policies. So we want to be able to gather data for a few years to present to the board to say, hey, it did make a difference or it didn't make a difference in terms of how those students who were admitted under that policy, how they performed at Pomona. Did they do well? Did they graduate on time? Um, So we have that policy until fall of 2024 when we're hoping to have gathered that data and made a good decision. Um, So at this point, what we're finding is that about half of our applicants will submit test scores. And when we look at who we've admitted, about half of the students we admit provided test scores. So that doesn't give you a lot to go on. I know it's sort of half and half, right? So we really do encourage students to make that decision for themselves. Are you the kind of student who tests well? Are you the kind of student who enjoys studying for those tests? Are you the student who has the means and the opportunity to take the test? It's not for everyone. Um, And we don't want, frankly, we don't want to counsel students to take the test because there are other ways to spend your time that might be more valuable, honestly. Uh, I really feel that if you if it's not something that appeals to you and you would be better off spending that time doing your schoolwork, pursuing something that's more interesting, athletics, you know, music, uh, work, anything that, that might be more valuable for your college application or just for your own personal fulfillment, then you should probably go in that direction. In terms of what role the test scores play in our admissions, it's... It's not a huge factor in making an admissions decision. If anything, it's a, you know, a tiny um, up and down kind of lever. So if you are, are admissible on the basis of your coursework and your grades and your recommendations and all of the pieces that we look at, and you happen to have high test scores, great, wonderful. We wanted to admit you anyway. If you were that great admissible student and you have very, very low test scores, 
eh, you know, we would still bring you to committee and we would say, yeah, I see the test scores. It's unfortunate, but look, this is a great student. It's, pro it's not going to impact us admitting you. So again, it's one of those little up and down kind of levers, but I don't think it's gonna really tip someone into the class or keep them out. Grades are much more important, <laughs> I will say. Um, and what we really look at is the courses you've taken and how you've done in those courses. We do want you to challenge yourself. We don't expect that you take every AP course offered or full IB or all those things, but we do suggest that you challenge yourself where appropriate. So if you are a math whiz, if you love math, please take the challenging math classes. If you struggle with science, you don't have to take those AP courses. Maybe that's not your thing, you know? So we really preach that you do you, you know? And, and we will see if that's a good fit for Pomona. But we, we look at your grades and the courses you've taken and your courses in your senior year are very important. We don't want you to take your foot off the gas your senior year because that's your last year of preparation for college. So it really is important. Um, but we don't have a minimum GPA. Again, we're going to look at you in the context of what school you go to, how other students around you are performing um, to see if you are a good fit for Pomona. Well, we appreciate that overview. Thank you so much. And I was curious, do students come for interviews, whether it's just informative or evaluative as part of the overall process to show their demonstrated interest? And if so, any advice that you would give to students preparing for an interview, Dr. Brooks? Yeah, that's a great question. We do have some optional elements to the application, test scores, of course, being one of them. But interviews are another optional element that some students will do, some applicants will do, but not required, not a big part of the process. But if you're someone who uh, enjoys speaking, maybe you're better in person or in conversation than you are on paper, by all means, you could request an interview. We do not do them on campus. We actually enlist our fabulous alumni to do interviews for us. So you can submit a request, get matched with an alum, and have a conversation, which allows you also to hear more about their experience at Pomona and to connect a little bit more with Pomona. I would say the role that an interview might play um, would be typically it's corroboration of what's in the application. So we might read your essay and you show a lot of excitement and enthusiasm for your scientific research. And that also comes up in the conversation with the alum. We say, oh yeah, they saw that too. I'm seeing it here, they're seeing it. I'm getting the picture of who this applicant is. Um, in terms of how to prepare for an interview, you know, I'm not sure if they're still doing virtual only uh, that's going to be TBD, I think, for the fall. They have been virtual. So it's always different whether you're meeting someone in person versus virtual. For a virtual interview, um, obviously be yourself. <laughs> Don't try to be someone else. Um, have some questions prepared for that person you're meeting with, maybe about their experiences at Pomona, what they can share with you. Have a few points you know you want to get across. Do you want to convey to them that you are someone who is very collaborative and community oriented? Is that something you want to convey in the interview? Do you want to convey, do you want to explain something about your performance in school that you weren't able to put in the application? Maybe 
you got mono or something happened one semester where your grades dipped, you didn't write about it in your application, but you'd like the chance to explain it in, in an interview, make sure you have that on your notes that that's something you're going to hit because the time will probably go fast and you want to be focused on what you want to get across. Well, we appreciate that. And I know, again, you're test optional. And so you emphasize the importance of grades. Dr. Brooks, do you use the student's high school GPA as indicated on their transcript? Or do you recalculate using your own metrics? And if so, what are you looking for from a student's academic record? And how do you evaluate them? You know, John, you would be shocked at the different types of transcripts that exist. <laughs> you think it's all ABC? No, 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 no. Uh, there are there are schools that use numbers. There are schools that use words. There are schools that use nothing at all. You know, so we're, we're dealing with apples, oranges, and grapefruits here. So um, if your school provides a GPA, we will use that. Uh, but if your school doesn't, yes, we will recalculate to the best of our ability your GPA. But when I talk about comparing apples, oranges, and grapefruits, it's not going to make a lot of sense to compare different GPAs that are on different scales, and some are weighted, and some are unweighted, and some are numbers, and some are letters. So we have data in our system all applicants from your school in the past and what GPA they presented to us. So that's a better way to contextualize what your GPA is. So if your GPA, John, is a 3.0 and it's it's unweighted and the highest GPA we've ever gotten from your school is a 3.1, we know you're up there at the top, right? But at another school, that could be a quote unquote low GPA. So we're trying to look at you in the context of your school group. and to make clear, if we've never had an applicant from your school before, don't worry, that's okay too. We usually have a school profile that tells us how your school represents grades. If not, we go online and we look it up or we call your counselor. So we're gonna get all the information we need to be able to evaluate your GPA. And what we're looking for, it's not necessarily the you know, student who has straight A's uh, that we're going to admit. We're going to admit the student who shows a lot of intellectual curiosity, a lot of enthusiasm for learning. The teachers speak to what you contribute to your classes. Um, I always say I'm always impressed with the student who has a recommendation from that one class they got to be in because I know they weren't as concerned about the grade as they were about the learning and about the effort they put into the class. So it really is about the holistic uh, picture we get of you as a student. It's not all, you're not all boiled down to that GPA number. What's up podcast friends. I'm happy to share that we've teamed up with Dormco to make your dorm decorating a lot easier. Why Dormco? They offer quality and durability, affordability, and a wide selection for bedding to storage solutions and everything in between for your dorm room. So if you or anyone you know is looking to decorate your dorm, see the affiliate partnership link in the show notes for Dormco, your one stop for stylish, affordable, and quality dorm essentials. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast gets a commission, but rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. Thank you all and best wishes. 
Well, I appreciate that. And I love the insight in terms of comparing a current applicant to former applicants from his or her high school. I think that's uh, fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing that insight. I was also curious, does Pomona accept AP, IB, or dual enrollment classes for credit? Yes, we do. Selective colleges like Pomona tend to be a bit stingy in that regard, I will say. Uh, So we only accept two, a maximum of two. So if you have a four or a five on an AP exam or a six or a seven on a higher level IB test, we will accept that as one Pomona course credit. And students here typically take eight courses a year, four courses a semester. They end up with 32 course credits to graduate. So it gives you a little leeway. You only need 30 to graduate if you've got those two credits. Most students at Pomona, I'm gonna be honest, graduate with more than they need uh, at the end of their time here because they love learning and they take a lot of classes, but it gives you a little leeway. You know, if you if you want to drop a class a semester or something like that, then you've got that little cushion. In terms of dual enrollment, you may be taking courses uh, outside of your school, maybe at a community college. If those courses don't appear on your high school transcript or if they're not meeting high school requirements, those could be eligible for credit. But if you're taking Spanish at a community college and it's fulfilling your high school requirement, you can't double dip. That's really considered a course fulfilling your high school requirements. But again, if it's above and beyond your high school classes, then those could be considered for credit as well. Understood. And I know we touched upon the senior year grades a little earlier, but how important are students' courses in progress and grades in their senior year? And what are you looking for when reviewing them? Yes, that is a great question. Um, Sometimes students, understandably, they get to senior year, they're getting done with their requirements and they think, great, I can just take a few electives my senior year. I can check out early at lunch and just have fun or go work on my job. That doesn't look that great to a college like Pomona. We want (laughs) students who are actually excited to take some courses their senior year. They know they need to get that foundation, whether it's calculus or AP English. Um, So we do look for you to continue taking four to five solid academic courses each term of your senior year. And then, of course, there is that situation when students apply ED and they get into their college of choice and they start taking it easy and they start (laughs) relaxing a little too much and their grades start going down. So when you're admitted early decision, there's a letter, there's a sentence in your letter that says, you know, this is assuming you're gonna keep up that great academic performance that you've shown us already. So if your grades really slip, and by really slip, I don't mean you got a B. I mean, you got all B's where you had all A's before, or you got a C where you never had a C before. If there's a dramatic change in your performance, you will be contacted uh, (laughs) by our admissions office and we will start that conversation. Um, Students every year, it's very sad, but they will have their admission revoked at colleges like Pomona if they really drop off in their performance Um, you know, heaven forbid, fail a class, something like that. So we are looking that you continue 
pretty much the, the course of your trajectory where you're doing well and you're taking solid courses uh, first semester and second semester of your senior year. Well, I appreciate that. And it just emphasizes the importance of students. You have to put your best foot forward throughout four years of high school and frankly beyond. So, you know, if senioritis starts to kick in, uh, be careful students because Pomona is watching. And uh, very interesting that you mentioned that in some cases, students' uh, admissions have been revoked. Very sad. But, you know, again, emphasizing the importance of keeping your uh, best foot forward. So what are some examples of college essays that really stuck with you? And what advice would you share with prospective students in terms of what to think of when preparing to write their essays? I'm really glad you asked that because writing <laughs> is my passion. I used to be an English professor. So uh, that's what I love about reading applications. I love reading students' essays. Um, but you know, it's good to know that all of us are different. All of us in admissions have different likes and dislikes. Um, so don't try to read our minds. You, you really are going to want to be yourself. The more you you can be, the better. Uh, because we read a lot of essays, right? I mentioned I read about 550 this year. So you're not going to stand out if you try to be generic or if you try not to show much about yourself. It's not going to intrigue me. It's not going to interest me. I'll mention a couple that I, I loved. Um, one was it started with a student was crossing the street uh, in the dark, almost got hit by a car and just kind of went into this reverie about life and his philosophy. And it was very interesting and really showed me the way the student thought. To me, those are the really exciting ones. If I can kind of get in the student's mind and see the way they think about things, it doesn't have to be about a big topic. The topic is sort of irrelevant. You definitely do not have to write about curing cancer. That is just off the table. Forget that topic. Um, you can write about just the smallest thing. Um, another essay I loved, a student who was from the far north, California, a very rural area, wrote about kind of being in the woods at night, uh, a group of them, and one student was a foreign exchange student, and they were used to big, the big city, and they said, you know, it's so quiet here. And the student writing the essay thought, what? Like, I hear so much in the <laughs> woods, right? All the ambient noise, all the things. So he really conveyed to me who he was, where he was from, why his perspective was different. And again, being very specific about the way he thought of things and his experiences, really what you want to do is draw the reader in so they, they can almost like be in your skin. They can almost be sitting in the chair next to you and see the way you see. Um, but some folks, you know, if you're funny, be funny. I love funny. So you got to show your personality. I like the way you put it, John, put your best foot forward. Um, maybe your best foot is your humor. Maybe your best foot is your compassion. Maybe your best foot is your um, ability to imagine something, your creativity. I've had students use song lyrics as little prompts in their essay. Um, don't be afraid to do that. Obviously have someone read it. Uh, <laughs> you want someone to read it and give you feedback and say, wow, this really sounds like you, or I never knew that about you, or, you know, I don't think this worked. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's always good to have someone read it, but 
I do encourage students to really think about what they want to convey about themselves and what's what's unique to them. I also think students feel like there's nothing unique about me. I'm I'm the most normal kid or everyone's like me or I don't have anything interesting. That is not true. You are unique. There's a lot of interesting things about you. You just happen to live in a place where a lot of folks maybe like you. But here at Pomona College, like we don't know what folks are like where you are, right? So you're applying to colleges all over. They're going to find you interesting. Do not worry about that. You need to put your best foot forward by being you in your essay. Well, I appreciate that. And I love how you talk about expressing the way that you think, what is in fact unique about you. In other words, to use the essay, not to repeat what's in other parts of the application. The transcript obviously shows you the grades, the rigor, how you performed. The activity sheet obviously shows you what you've participated in or not. But the essay should really give you that sense of who the candidate is as a student. Many times we say if the admissions rep reads the essay and doesn't learn anything new about the student in terms of how they are reflective or not, or in terms of who they are as a person, their character, then maybe you should go back to the drawing board and uh, rethink the essay. Again, it's something that you have to learn something new about the candidate from. Do you agree, Dr. Brooks? I agree. I agree. I often say it's like you're the character in this novel we're reading. So if I read your activity sheet and I already know you spend a lot of time playing soccer. Right. I don't want to read an essay about soccer in particular because I already know that about you. I want to learn something new about you. Right. Well, that's great advice. Thank you again so much. We really appreciate it. And speaking about soccer, <laughs> what about students aspiring to play sports in college? What advice do you have for prospective student athletes in terms of making their intentions to play known? Yes. Pomona is a Division three college. Uh, We are in the Southern California Conference. And so I hear that Division III athletes are just smaller versions of Division I athletes. They're just (laughs) as good. They just happen to be a little smaller, right? Um, I work with several of our coaches. I'm one of their liaisons for men's and women's tennis, women's softball, women's soccer. So I help them doing some pre-reads for students who are interested in playing. My advice, if you are interested in playing at that uh, intercollegiate level at a D3 school, you should reach out to the coaches. Now, Pomona has an interesting situation where we combine with Pitzer College. So we are the Pomona Pitzer Sage Hens. And our fiercest rival are the other three schools in the consortium who who form a team, (laughs) Claremont Mud Scripps. Um, so we have our inter-consortium rivalry going on. We have rivalry games that are very fun on campus. Um, but you should reach out to the coach if you're interested in playing. The coach will kind of evaluate your, your talent level. They can support you on different levels. They can do a pre-read with admissions. They could offer you a coach support letter, which might is like another recommendation. Um, but always start with the coach. But you might be someone who wants to play at the club level or the intramural level. Those are also available, and those are five college options. So again, you're going to meet lots of other students if you participate that way. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. This has been an amazing conversation with so much advice and insight to students and their parents. So in closing, Dr. Brooks, what are the top three pieces of advice you would give a student and their parents who are getting ready 
for the college admissions process? And can you share what you see as enjoyable about the college search process? And how can we reduce the stress of the whole process? Yes, my advice is going to be aimed at the fun and stress-free part of that question. <laughs> because I've been through the process with two kids myself. So I've experienced the stress, I've experienced the fun. Um, in terms of reducing the stress, I advise students and parents to not let it take over the whole year. Don't talk about it all the time. Every night when you sit down for dinner, don't bring it up. <laughs> um, don't be harassing your kids all the time. Have you done this? Have you done that? Have you thought about this? Don't have it just constantly be playing in the background. It's just too much. They've got a lot going on. They've got senior year. They've got friends. They've got activities. Try to uh, limit that. So maybe you want a once a week discussion about it, like a touch base. Um, because otherwise it's going to just overwhelm everyone. That's piece number one. The fun, enjoyable process, if you are in a position where you can visit some colleges, uh, maybe, maybe you can't afford a big trip, but maybe you could do a local college together. It can be kind of fun uh, for both student and parent to do that together because you can see through your students' eyes what they find appealing or not appealing you're going to find out things about your student you did not know you know oh really they didn't like that tour guide i thought they were adorable or gosh they seem turned off by the size of this campus and i thought they were going to go to a big school um, until you start visiting colleges you might not know your likes and dislikes so it's informative for both the parent and the student and if you have the chance to travel together whether it's a car ride or a plane ride or whatever, it's kind of fun to have that time together. You, you don't spend that much time together, I'm guessing, with your, with your senior in high school or with your parents. So it's kind of a special time that's only probably going to happen once, uh, so you should make the most of it. Um, third piece of advice I would give, keep an open mind. You might go into this process thinking, Stanford, 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 or Harvard, Harvard, Harvard. Uh, just my whole life, I want to go to this school that I've heard about. Maybe, maybe that's the school for you, but maybe there's hundreds of other schools that could be really nice too. Um, so I know I'll share a personal story. My daughter had applied early one school, which supposedly was her dream school, got in, uh, but it was early action. So she could apply to another school, applied to school two, and when it came down to choosing, she ended up choosing school two. So this is why I say keep an open mind. That whole period of your senior year, that's kind of a long time in a student's life. You could change your mind from the fall to the spring. You could change your mind even though you thought something when you applied, once you had a little more experience or visited more schools or had more time to think, you might have changed your mind. So be open to changing from a small school to a big school or vice versa. Be open to changing from moving far away to staying close or vice versa. All these things, uh, you know, you're learning and growing during your senior year. So be open to it. Keep talking with your parents. They may have a different idea than you. So you definitely want to be on the same page. Have those check-ins, have those conversations and it's going to be great. You're going to college. <laughs> 
Well, we can't thank you enough for all of your insight and advice. It was amazing to hear about all the great things that Pomona College offers, not only in the classrooms, but beyond. And I really appreciate the insight in terms of the overall application process and how you handle it at Pomona College. Dr. Brooks, thank you so much. I'm so happy because I know this is helping so many students and their parents. We really appreciate your time today. Looking forward to having you again. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. It's been a great pleasure to spend time with you. And, you know, that's what it's all about. We're here for the students. So I appreciate you offering me this opportunity. Well, be well, and we hope to have you again soon. Take care. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.